Hello and welcome to the 134th episode of Kinda Geeky. It's been about a month or so since our last podcast, right, Julio? Like, uh, yeah, sorry, Julio's here today, of course. Yeah, uh, no, it's, yeah, roughly a month. A little less, I think, uh, maybe three weeks. Uh, but because we're actually on location doing something special today. Yes. But uh, yeah, so um, we're trying to get back into not having an episode every two to three months. And trying to get back into the monthly routine. Yeah. About, yeah. Especially with the convention coming up and everything, too. That's right. Yeah. Comic Con yeah. Revolution. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that one. No, yeah, we're definitely going to that. All right. Most likely. I think we're signing up for press soon. But, anyways, uh, like I said, we're on location today and we actually have a special guest. Um, I've had my mom on before and I really liked the episode, so I wanted to get a few more family members on and really the closest to, I could get to, easy to drive to, and someone I really wanted to have on sooner than later is my grandfather. So we have Erwin Gorman on today. He was a colonel in the Air Force and I'm, I already messed it up. Uh, I think a General the, Agent general, for Guardian Life. General Agent for Guardian Life. So he's had a lot going on in his life. You're 90... In my 91st year. I didn't know if you wanted to actually give the actual age. So, like, we're just say 90 for that. But no, so you're 90 now, and you just had the big family reunion back in February when I was in Japan. So, I kind of missed that. That was also kind of the reason why I came out here. And also, just, you know, have a good conversation with you. So, welcome to the podcast, and it's glad to have you on. Thank you. Um, so. First off, I don't know, do you want to start with a question, Julio? You've been here for a couple days now, or should I jump into some of mine? Well, I figure since he's your grandpa, you might have, like, the better questions to ask, and I'll jump in if I think I can okay. think of something. So, uh, I mean, there's a lot we can start off with for you, but I think the first things I'd want to ask, like I was kind of talking to you about before coming out, was if you have any, since you are 91 and you've lived a really long, a pretty good life with, you know, work and everything, any life lessons you could share with anybody? Anything you would say, like any pointers or tips to say, you don't necessarily need to go this far in it, but definitely set goals, anything like that, like you did for me when I was a kid. Well, I, I've always set my goals, but I've set reasonable goals, and that's number one. Number two, never, ever, ever quit. So, uh, that's been my way of life. I start something and I finish it. That includes being in the Air Force, owning a general agency, um, running a marathon, or doing a triathlon. I mean, you say running A, but there's many marathons and triathlons in your history, so. Uh, there was one marathon. There were many races, and there were a lot of triathlons. The reason being, after running for 26 miles, and I had trained for three months for that. My back hurt, and I was exhausted for four days. Okay. Mm. And I read in one of my magazines uh, that a triathlon is a little less taxing because you're doing three different events. You're running, you're cycling on a bike, and you're swimming. True. It takes about the same time as a marathon, at least the ones that I've done, they're over four hours. But when you're finished, you're exhausted, but nothing hurts and you recover in a day. Okay. Hmm. Sorry, I kind of tangent off on the marathon there, but with the hard work and uh, never quitting, like you said, like at, what were some of your hardest points to even just move past or go, no, I need to keep moving forward? 
if you want to share that. <laughs> well, I'm trying to think of uh, you have tough times in business. Yeah. Uh, just like right now in the pandemic, people can't do their businesses. There were other times in life where business is not good. Uh, the market is not good. Um, nobody's making money. Uh, they don't want to have appointments with anybody. They don't want to spend any money. So you may be calling for appointments, but nobody wants to see you. So you could quit and leave the business and try and find and do something else. Or instead of calling 10 people a week, you call 20. And if that doesn't work, you call 30. So you get sufficient appointments in order to generate the business that you need to keep your business going and supporting yourself. So really just don't quit and more double down if need be. Keep trying to make it. is necessary, but keep on going. Don't stop. Now, is there anything that like you did have to quit on or something like you were like, no, that's just too much. Like you set too far a goal ahead of you. Never. Never. Always finish, never quit. That's been my whole life. Okay, so then let's, uh, with goals then. So I, I was actually having a discussion recently with one of my friends and you said set realistic goals. And I think that's one of the things you gave me way back in the day, which you can have dream goals too. That's fine, but you may never reach that. But setting 10 year goals, five year goals, even six month goals, like those are necessary things to reach an achievement, right? Uh, the answer is yes, and there was a book that I read, and I'll quote a paragraph in the book. Okay. Strive for the highest attainable gain, but never put up resistance in vain. Okay. So set a realistic goal and achieve it. Don't set a goal that's so far over your head because you want to be a hero uh, that you can't really get there. And you would say that applies to business and life, right? That's correct. Because I would say, like, back to the discussion I was having, I've done that approach. And a lot of my, even dream goals from moving out to California, I never thought I'd go to E3. I never thought I'd work for a video game company. Those came true. I never thought I'd go to CES. That came true. I never thought I'd go to Comic-Con San Diego. That came true. So yeah, like, just having some that are slightly beyond your reach but possible and then you when you hit it it is such an achievement because like that fulfillment where i'm like you know i'm 42 and i have to say a lot of goals i've set for myself i've hit and that feels really good uh it's strange you talk about setting the goals and getting it uh when i originally set the goal of running a marathon mm -hmm. i had never done anything that far the, the most i had ridden uh, run was somewhere around eight or nine miles, but I decided to run a marathon and I announced to everybody that I'm going to run a marathon. Now everybody knew what I wanted to do, so I could not quit. When I did the training for the marathon, I did 10 miles the first week, then I got up to 20, and it was a 13-week training period. And in the last week, you run an average of somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 miles a day. Dang. So <laughs> that 
so that your prepared. body yeah. is used to running that kind of okay. mileage. Okay. When I completed the marathon, I was severely depressed. Really? Why? I had nothing to live for anymore. So but there was no But you could just no set up goals. another marathon or another event well, or something. Well, that's when I decided that I'll do a triathlon. Ah, okay. And hmm. I announced that to all my friends, I'm going to do a, a triathlon. And I didn't own a bike. And when I went to my swimming pool, I couldn't do one lap without stopping. By the end of the summer, the end of my three-month training, I was doing 200 laps in the pool, and I could ride 35 miles. So would you consider that setting a new goal or an adaption to the original goal? No, that was setting a new, new goal. New goal, okay. Mm -hmm. So you completed the first goal, and that you set, you in I found a goal that was meaningful to me, and the way to attain my goal was to announce it to everybody so that I would never quit. I like that. And it's a good approach. Like, not everybody has that drive, but just thinking about, like you said, if you set the obtainable ones, and you can actually... You might get that euphoria or depression, but if you set the next goal, you just keep striving and moving forward. And that's really what life is, so. Yes, I agree with that one. Julio, any input? <laughs> no, uh, no, no actual input, if anything, it's just, uh, I get it. Like, honestly, I've never really set goals for myself. I just have a sense, you know, I was going into the tech world, I just wasn't sure. It was going to be in IT, stumbled into game testing. That was good. That wasn't the actual goal. I was just like, well, at least it's still going into the technical field. True, true. And then you came along and says, I got a job over at Sony if you want. I was like, I'll take it. And then, yeah, I mean, despite all that, it was still on me to, you know, advance my uh, career forward. True, yeah. So, and grow within your industry and stuff pretty like much, that. Pretty much, yeah. Because that's, yeah, that's... Whatever job you take, you need to grow and make yourself better for the next job. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, oh, okay, I was trying to think of that, but thank you for the sharing that because I really—that's uh, one thing I've had that discussion. I've had that discussion with so many people, and there's there there is this group groups of people that will set some goals, set like dream goals, and then my roommate that just I don't set goals. I don't understand where people set goals. I'm like, <laughs> what we we just need to stop talking. Apparently, we're not going to have this conversation now because, <laughs> again, like some people have that mindset and you just can't reason with them. But getting it out there so that way people can understand, that's all I ever want to do because it's a good idea. And again, like you said, these are the euphoria, depression moves you forward to the next point down the road. So I like it. Um, with being a colonel, so I know you told me this before, but I want to get. So why did you join the military? Uh, originally, I started college in 1951, in September of 51. The Korean War was on at yep. that time. Yep. They were drafting people. Oh, okay. You got a draft number. The number was from 1 to 365, and my number was 250, which meant they wouldn't call me for a while, but the thought of going into combat 
on the ground in the army was extremely distasteful to me. Okay. Queens College started an Air Force ROTC in our school and it was open to us to join. I knew if I was allowed to join the ROTC, I would be guaranteed four years of college, assuming I didn't fail any subjects and, quote, screw up in college. Yeah. So I joined Air Force ROTC, but mainly that was to avoid the draft. It was not for a love of the military. Uh, I have a question there real quick. Sorry to interrupt you. So with joining ROTC, doesn't that advance your ranks too? So if you do get drafted, you'd come in as a higher rank? Uh, no. no. Okay. No. Okay. no that, that's a misconception. That's just a something in school, ROTC. You could take two years of ROTC and never finish the four years so you wouldn't graduate as an officer. Gotcha. When I started, I initially didn't care about being in the military. I just wanted to avoid being drafted. Yeah. However, after being in the military for three or four months, I saw a young man who was two years older than me who had come from a different college to run our unit. So he was the cadet commander. Okay. And I went up to him and I said, very simply, by the time I finish college, I want to have your job. How do I get it? (laughs) So he said, Are you interested really in becoming a cadet commander? I said, Absolutely correct. Tell me what I had to do. And he listed five or six things that I'd have to do in order to become the cadet commander. Okay. ROTC was a one credit course, which yeah. meant you took one hour a week. Okay, that yeah, yeah, yeah. You were effectively, t- it could be one credit, it was three days a week, but for one credit. Um, I put in anywhere between 10 and 15 hours a week Oh, wow. In order to be better than anyone else, I did everything he said. There were different goals that they set every year, and I made sure to attain every goal and get every medal that they gave. So by the time I was in my last semester, I was appointed to be cadet commander and when I graduated, I was a distinguished military graduate. Oh, wow. And then I went into the Air Force. I didn't love flying, but I knew that I had to fly. Wait, and wait, I. Pull that back up. So you went into the Air Force. What do you mean you went into the Air Force? So you, you graduate like- and you get a commission as a second lieutenant. Oh, And then okay. they tell okay. you, you start active duty on May 8th. And. That's the day that I went on active duty. So then on wait, technically May you were drafted. <laughs> it's like you graduated no, and they're like, here's no, your... You're, you're not drafted. You have been given a commission. You earned a oh, commission. Okay, okay, mm. okay. So I'm serving in the military as a second lieutenant. However, I graduated officially 
on February 9th, 1955, and the Korean War officially ended on January 31st, 1955. So by the time I went into the military, there was no war going on. Okay. So it was peacetime, yeah. and I trained to fly a plane. I also didn't have a profession outside of the military or outside of college. My father had hot dog stands, and I thought that I'd eventually go into the luncheonette business. Mm. But I also knew that I needed an alternative career in case I didn't want that. And learning how to fly, I got a navigator's license and a night flying license and a pilot's license so that I could go into commercial flying if I had to support my family. I got married seven days before I went into the military. Oh, wow. And by the time I got out of the military, I had one and six-ninths children. So <laughs> One and six-ninths? Okay, what's... <laughs> so one and one on the way. <laughs> Affirmative. Okay. That's it. Um... Sorry, there was a question in there. You just gave some good points and made me laugh a little bit. So, I want to ask you about grandma in a second, too, but you said that was college or high school? College. College. So, by the time you graduated college, you were a second lieutenant going you, into the Air Force. Yes. How did you progress to colonel? Uh, I had three years active duty during which... I learned how to fly. I flew planes. I was an accounting officer, and I ran an officer's club. Uh, the oh. reason I ran an officer's club was, as an accounting officer, yeah. I audited the club. Oh. And in my opinion, they were stealing from the club. Borrowing me? <laughs> no, 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 I get, no, no I get, the word is stealing, stealing yeah. not borrowing. Okay. It was a joke. Uh, so I wrote up a report. I felt that there was thievery going on, and there was no reason that a club in the middle of the desert that was taking in approximately 6000 a month yeah. should lose 2000 a month especially when they didn't pay rent and six out of the 13 full-time employees were paid for by the military. Oh, what? I put that in my report, and the base commander read my report and said, okay, you feel very strongly about it, so why don't you run it? I said, it will be no problem. I will run it in addition to flying and being an accounting officer. And that's exactly what I did. And starting the first month that I was there, we had a $2,000 profit and was the most profitable officers club in the Air Force because I was the most profitable club in the Air Force. I was audited by Washington, D.C. Oh, wow. They came out and said, how come you're the only club that's making as much money other clubs are making a little money, breaking even, or losing money, and you're making money. <laughs> and I said, it's very simple. I run it as a business. And 
Which it is. I said a simple thing was I had walked into a closet in the main building and there were cigarettes lined from floor to ceiling and I was smoking it at the time. So I took a pack of Viceroy and I put it in my pocket and I said, oh my God, if I'm taking this pack and not paying for it, everybody's yeah, doing the same thing. Else. So I put in cigarette machines and yes. that became <laughs> <Yes>. profitable. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's how simple it was. Also, uh, when I went into the club at night, I didn't have to work at 10 o'clock at night, but I went into the bar in the evening, walked in there, <clears throat> opened up the cash register, pulled it out, and looked and see if there was any money behind the drawer in the cash oh, register. Okay. And I took out some dollar bills. Hmm. Nobody had ever checked that before. Really? They didn't know you could do it, but I did that in New York in <laughs> yeah. my father's restaurant. So they said, oh my God, we got a guy that's knowing what's going on. Three days later, somebody tried to burn down the officer's club to cover and yeah. to cover up. Yep. P.S. They found the guy that did it. I testified against him, and the club became profitable. Okay, I have so many more questions now that go so many different ways. Uh, so first, I want to tangent back to one little thing. Uh, Great Grandpa Joe, you said hot dog stands, but he did have an actual store too, right? It wasn't just hot dog stands. It, it, they, it, they were luncheonettes. It was a restaurant that was about 15 feet wide and 80 feet deep. Okay, so just long, yeah, okay. Right, it was long, and in the front they sold hot dogs and orangeade off the counter, and in the back you sat down so and you ordered food. hamburgers okay, and okay. sandwiches, coffee and cake. How many did he own? He and his brother owned 18 oh, wow. different stores on a busy day, such as Washington's birthday, when the weather was good and the women were out shopping. In my store, mm -hmm. I sold two thousand frankfurters what mm. Damn. and how much were they a frankfurter they started off as a nickel but when i <laughs> when i went to work in 1947 they were a nickel then they went up to seven cents then a dime so you could come in and for a quarter get two hot dogs and a coke that's awesome <laughs> Inflation is wonderful isn't it <laughs> yeah um okay so the other thing i wanted to tangent to with that was I've talked to a lot of military people throughout my life, and some of them were doctors, didn't couldn't translate, and all that stuff. You see, like the stories you just shared. That's how you got your accounting, like your insurance backing, the managerial backing. Like, how did that translate to the real world? Um, I know that <clears throat> I started off in the Air Force, and after three years of active duty, I went back to New York. Mm -hmm. I tried a particular business for a friend and it didn't work out and I went to work for my father. For three years I managed one of his stores, but I saw my career going no place. Even though he had had 18 stores with his brother, they sold eight of them. Uh. They each kept five. So that was the 18. I was working in one and they were not making the money that they used to make 
during the war and immediately after the war. So I didn't see myself having a profitable career, quote, selling hot dogs. Yeah. Mm. So therefore, I looked for a different profession, and I went into, uh, somebody called on me to sell me life insurance. He was in high school with me. He was a terrific salesman. He was very polished, excellent. And I asked him if I could have an interview with his boss. I got an interview. I went to class for six months to learn. And then I left my father's luncheonette business and I went into the insurance business. Uh, after about two years, and I was just barely breaking even, not making a lot of money. Yeah. By the second year, I was a substantially better salesman okay. than I was initially. The owner of the place called me in and he said, Erwin, you're starting to do very nicely. You've won a lot of trophies and you've gone to conventions and I think you have a good career. Where do you see yourself in five years? And I said, in your chair, how do I get there? And that's what I've done a lot of times in life. If I wanted something, I went up to a mentor and said, how do I get to be where you are? Most people won't work 60, 70, or 80 hours a week yeah. in order to get there. I never had a problem doing that. So. After another three years, I met all the requirements, and I got my own agency. See, I'm glad I started off with goals on this, because I think that set the groundwork for every story you've shared, because everything was set the goals, achieve the goals, move on to the next set, set those goals, achieve them, move on. Like, So when did that actually, like you said you read a book, but when did that actual, um, me, me, I can't think of a word right now. When did you actually decide that's your you're gonna like your goal setting standards take place? Like teens, twenties, like probably <laughs> in childhood. Yeah. Okay. Was it something I, your dad helped you install? Uh, like install? Or? Uh, my my father taught me how to be a good businessman. He taught me the numbers. Uh, I had a brother and a sister. He didn't talk yeah. to my brother about that. He didn't talk to my sister about it. But he talked to me oh, about okay. that. Mm -hmm so that I understood how to make a profit in a business. So, so then your brother and sister never ran any of the My younger brother went to Harvard, yeah. Oxford, yeah. Harvard Law, became a law professor, and taught law at the University of Pennsylvania for 35 years. Now, when you were going to school for ROTC, you know, like he was going to law school at that time? or No, he no. was younger than me. Oh, true. So okay. when I was in college, he was in high school. Okay. There were four years between oh, us. Oh, gotcha, mm. gotcha. Okay. So. so then when you were in the Army, he was starting college, basically. Then. That so, is okay, correct. Gotcha, okay. Um, anything yet, Julio? You're still oh, I'm just glad I'm sitting in and listening to this. <laughs> it's a good conversation, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Okay, so the other thing I wanted to roll back to which I've heard before, but I, I don't know how much detail, but meeting grandma. So you met her at college? Uh, we were in the same English class together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the English teacher, and I can't remember his name at this moment, but the English teacher was a devout 
communist and was brought up by different subcommittees in Washington because really? he was a registered communist. And I would come into the English class wearing my Air Force ROTC uniform, <laughs> and he would look at me, and he would say, well, Mr. Gorman, how many babies did you bomb today? Jeez. And I said, sir, I didn't bomb any babies today. I'm just going to school. However, if you want to discuss the book you told us to read, I'd be happy to do that. That's awesome. <laughs> so you bring intelligent. That's kind of like my friend Lawrence. Every time I come emotional, he comes intelligent. And I'm like, that always wins. It always wins when you come. Anytime you come with emotion, you're always going to throw yourself right out of the conversation <laughs> or even argument. Um, I feel like you do need to ask something, Leo. Oh, wait, Grandpa wanted to say something. Uh, yes, you were asking me what I did oh, yeah, in the yeah. sorry, military. Sorry, sorry. Uh, so I had three years active, and then I went into my father's business, then the insurance business. Yeah. And in the eighth year after my graduation from college, I got a letter from the Air Force saying that your commitment to the military, which was three years active, five years in the reserve, gotcha. is over your commission will expire unless you get involved in the military. Ah. And they said, would you want to continue? And I wrote back and I said, yes, I do. What are my options? And they gave me a list of 10 different things I could get involved in. One was the Air Force Academy. Oh. So I decided that's what I would like to do. And I went for an interview in Manhattan, and I sat down with a colonel, and I was a second lieutenant, or first lieutenant at that time, and the colonel asked me what I do for a living, and I said, I sell insurance, I have my own agency, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And he said, well, I don't know whether an insurance agent uh, would necessarily make a good military man to interview men in high school or young men in high school to go into ROTC. So I said, I own my own business. I have my own time. I have my own schedules. I have my own agency. I have employees to help me do my work. I probably could do a better job than anybody else that you have. Why don't you try me? And he said, yes. And eventually, I became his deputy commander. Oh, wow. And over the years, I went from second to first lieutenant, captain, major, lieutenant colonel. And I finally made full colonel after 20-some-odd years. And I retired as a full colonel after 31 years. So most of the rank increases were when you were at the academy? When I worked, Wor no, yeah, sorry, for sorry, the worked, worked at the academy. Sorry, I, I did not say okay. that. Okay, my job was going to the local high schools, giving lectures to young men and interviewing them to see what they would like to do. And a lot of them would say, "I would like to fly very much." And my next question was, "Have you ever been in a very small plane?" And the answer normally is no. no. <laughs> and then I said, do you build model airplanes? And some would say yes, and then I'd look at them. 
And I say, do you subscribe to any flying magazines? So the young man that says that he wants to fly, but he's never been in a plane, mm -hmm. never built a model airplane, never read a flying magazine, I know he doesn't really want to fly. He maybe wants somebody to teach him how to fly so he could be a commercial pilot. The young man that I interviewed, uh, whose parents had been born in France, and when I asked those questions, he answered, all my model airplanes are in the basement. Would you like to see them? And I went down and I saw them. And I said, what magazines do you subscribe to? And he showed me okay. the flying yeah, yeah, yeah. magazines. And that was the name of the magazine, Flying. And then I, I asked that. him if yeah. he'd ever been in a light plane. And he said, yes, I have. And I've learned how to fly a plane just by sitting there, learning what to do. And this guy was 16 years old. And he said, I really want to be a fighter pilot. I recommended him. Over the years, he became a three-star general. Wow. And I visited him and his wife in Korea. I flew on military aircraft in 2015 and visited him, spent 10 days in Korea with the general. So, uh, and then I went to his retirement party at the Air Force oh, Academy. Wow. Okay. So I interviewed him in high school, went to his graduation party, mm -hmm. followed him for 35 years Watched in the military, <laughs> and then saw him and how he retired. So, so what Grandpa just said there, I'm ready to pilot a Gundam, because I do all <laughs> that stuff. Like, right there. Right there. We just don't well, have the technology yet. I get well, it. I get it. Expert. I get it. No, no, but I will be ready. You're good at piloting it on, <laughs> as opposed to no, no, piloting no, no. a plane. There, there, there's a, uh, in the anime, there's a giant robot series that's called Gundam. And um, I build the models. I have the magazines. I read the comic books. And in Japan, there's two ones where you're actually piloting. So I'm going back to play those games and learn how to pilot a Gundam. <laughs> like that's part of my trip back is to play video games to learn how to pilot a Gundam. They're not real yet, but I will be ready. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> and he's saying I set up all the goals to be ready for it. So, no, no. Um, oh, sorry. So actually, there was a couple of things in there. So anything yet, Julio, or no? Uh, well, I mean, I, I'm seeing where you know we're talking about the story if anything i'm more curious about hobbies and i and i just i remember we're doing this after he's done with his tai chi i'm curious when did that start and you know how did you get into it i mean uh, tai chi is a class uh it's a very passive kind of class where the instructor has you stand up and move your right leg move your left leg. Uh, when I started taking Tai Chi classes six years ago, that was the first instructor that I had. And oh, I'd like okay. to tell you about that because he said to us, Tai Chi is about balance, mainly balance, and I'm gonna teach you how to be balanced. So I want you to stand, and there were 15 of us, and he says, stand in a circle, now all face the right. Now, I want you to put your left foot forward. 
and I want you to take the weight from your head and put it on your shoulders. Now all the weight from your head is on your shoulders. I want to take all that weight and transfer it to your chest. And then he said, I want you to move all of that weight down to your hips. Now I want you to take all that weight, put it down on your knees. Now all of the weight in your body is on your knees. Mm -hmm. Now put all your weight down at your ankles. Now move the weight, transfer it to the soles of your feet. All the weight is on the soles of your feet. Now put the weight on your left leg. All your weight is on the soles of your left foot. Now you could lift your right foot and move it forward. Transfer the weight to the soles of your right foot. Now that the weight is on your right foot, you're able to lift your left foot and move it forward. He had us walking around in circles, <laughs> slowly moving the transferring, weight transferring. to the right foot, to the left foot. Hmm. Once you had the weight on the left foot, you could put the right foot forward. I have walked along and I missed the curb. If I thought the curb was four inches high, it yeah. was really six. Yeah. My right foot hit the curb, but I didn't fall because all the weight was on my left foot. And he drilled that into us for three months, so I learned how to walk Proper properly. Mm. And then in class, you move your arms, you move your legs, you go forward. And I'm delighted that I'm taking Tai Chi because it has taught me balance. And I'm, if you fall and you break something, you're in trouble. So, okay. Yeah, I feel like I need it because um, you fall. I stumble. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I can be a bit uh Stumble? <laughs> How many I mean, face bruises have you had, Julio? Just the one. That's it. Those two. Yeah. <laughs> However, I'm, I'm telling you, uh, if you spend an hour taking the weight from one foot, putting it on the other, hmm. and then lifting your other foot and putting it forward, and then transferring the weight, in other words, Almost like crawling along, hmm. you learn how to do it. And I 100% agree with that because that's how I had to learn to skate, to actually ride a board prop. Matt was always really inherently good at skateboarding. I was not, so I had to learn balance okay. and to do that on a board. And ever since, like, I don't, not, I'll miss a stair, I don't fall down the stairs. I instantly brace and grab and know because, nope, must stay balanced. So as you were saying all that stuff, I'm like, yeah, that's how I've lived my life for a long time because I messed myself up on skateboards for so long until I actually learned how to balance. And mm -hmm. balance is a main thing for a lot of stuff. That's funny because I did for, it wasn't a long time, but this was years back because I did some uh, boxing training. Yeah. And for that one, it's mostly like learning to shuffle and move because you're, you're in a specific stance. And at least on my end, you know, going to the gym and... Just working with the like the trainer for me it was just 
just to train. It wasn't to get into fighting or anything. Yeah. Just enjoy it. And then for me, it was working essentially not only cardio, but also the upper body strength because you're keeping your hands up uh, for the training three minutes and after like a couple of rounds, you feel them get heavy and saggy. Oh my God. Well, I also yeah. say it trains reaction time too. And there was that. No, especially like uh, when I was first trying out the speed bag. Wow. Like I did not have the coordination for it. Like it took a while to find a rhythm. So it was interesting. There was some footwork. I had to learn how to shuffle to the left or to the right. Yeah. And also, you know, learning to dodge as well. So, yeah, that's the thing because I do drag my feet. And I think I got that from boxing because I usually small steps if I'm going in or from backing out. Yeah. Nothing too big of a step. So maybe you're, that's why. I, uh, you're more of a shuffler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. noticed it. Um, actually, on that topic too, since you did bring up hobbies, and that is a great thing. Like I'm liking the stories, and I want to get back to some of them. But yeah, other hobbies you've had throughout your life, like fun stuff, like like you said, building model. Not that it was yours, but like building model planes, anything like that. Uh, playing musical uh, instruments. I. Played the accordion when I was a kid. Yeah, I ha I took piano lessons and uh, I wasn't happy with the piano, so my mother got me to take other lessons. So I learned how to play the accordion, and I took lessons for six years. So I learned how to play that satisfactorily, and that also gave me a basic training in music. So I taught myself how to play a ukulele. And then taught myself a banjo. I remember that. So, uh, <laughs> I remember both of us. That's, that's <laughs> what I do. Uh, and uh, those have been hobbies. And I have a keyboard in my office. So I play the keyboard. Usually it's the keyboard and the banjo that I play for my own enjoyment. Okay. And then you're, I would say, I'm not necessarily say it's a hobby, but it's one of your pastimes is, you know, through vacations and trips you went on, your uh, slideshows. I used to take close to 10 or 12 trips a year, yeah. of which five or six were cruises, yeah. and some were as long as 30 days. Mm. So we went from Australia, uh, from Los Angeles to uh, Australia and New Zealand on a cruise, uh, and that was just about a 30-day cruise. Uh, we've gone in Europe on the Danube, on different rivers, uh, to South America. Uh, however, with COVID, it stopped. Yeah, but I, I mean, like even before that, like all the slideshows we got as kids from all your trips, yours and grandma's trips, and then even well, the older we, ones of like the kids. We, and then... we, liked, we liked taking trips, and one of the trips, and you would know that, we took... Uh, my wife and I took five of our grandchildren, all mm. of our grandchildren, on a Western trip. I knew you were going to bring that up. <laughs> we hired an Indian guide who took us around uh -huh. to his family's Hogan and took us through the mountains. And uh, I remember going down one of the sides of the mountains and Keith... And Matthew and all the kids are skipping down. Oh, no. We were running. <laughs> they were running down a narrow uh -huh. trail, and we're going down a one-mile mountain. So you Let's got... Let's fully explain this, though. At the bottom of this mountain, in a cave, is a... Oh, sorry. Indian dwelling that 
no one lives there anymore. It used to exist. Uh-huh. Stuff I love. So yeah, like I saw this. I'm like, we're going down this mountain. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's also like, we're going down this mountain. But I couldn't. Yeah. I, no. I, even though I flew jets, I have a fear of heights. We got halfway down, and I couldn't walk anymore. And I said, we're going back Turn this up. all around. Turn this all around. And we went around. back uh-huh. up. <laughs> and then we drove down to go to see what it was like. So, uh, I'm going to tangent a little more there because you have a fear of heights. Mom has a fear of heights. I have a fear of heights. Okay. I think they're all slightly different, though. I don't mind being up high by myself as long as I'm alone. As you could put my best friend, mom, anyone there for some reason. It's, it's not a right. It's not a rational thought. I understand this. I'm thinking they could push me. Okay. <laughs> not that they're going to, but that fear that if they accidentally trip and I stumble, I'm going over the right now. If you feel my hands, they're perspired. Yeah, no, mine too, mine too. <laughs> because I'm thinking of being on the side of the mountain. <laughs> we okay. just, uh, when we went, uh, sorry, tangent again. When we went to the Tokyo, we went to the Tokyo Tower, and that little elevator goes up the center, and it's very small and of one little band, and wind's very strong there. So we started going, and it just shook. And my friend Lawrence looks at me, he's like, you okay? And I just showed him my hands. They were... Not dripping wet. Dripping wet. Like yes. dripping onto the floor. I'm like, yeah, no, no, do not jump right now. I will freak out. <laughs> so I'm yeah, not a fan of heights also. <laughs> well, okay. Um, so my whole life, I like to stay in shape. So I ride a bicycle. I walk. I take the Tai Chi class. Uh, there were other classes that I've taken from time to time. But with COVID, things slowed down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and you swam uh, for a long time. You played golf for a long time. Like, yeah, you've, you've stayed very active your whole life. Right. And when I lived up at Desert Mountain, we had seven golf courses. So I had the opportunity to play seven different courses. And I played the course, two clubs in each hand, four clubs, and I walked the course and played. And that's it. I just want to reiterate, we're in Arizona. And he's walking the course and playing. Like, I'm never going to do that. Like, it's well, I, when it's more than 105, I don't do that. Oh, okay. So I could go out so in the morning. So 95 is okay. Yeah, 95 is okay. It's dry. So I'm, I'm used to it. Also, I've been living here true. since mm, true, uh, true. 1990. So I, your body gets used to that. And you drink water. You drink water. A ton you of drink water, water, yeah. So that's all. Any other, like... Little hobbies. Were there hobbies you like picked up and gave up because you weren't interested? Uh, no. Uh, also, uh, I was in the insurance business, <coughs> and I decided in order to be the one of the top insurance agents, I'd have to have a CLU degree, a chartered financial consultant degree, a master's in financial planning. I should also be president of the local association, president of the insurance association, president of the estate planning council, and also be a teacher at the local college. If I had all those in my credit, nobody would be better than me. So if I was competing for a sale against another insurance agent, I could give them my brochure to the client 
and say, uh, I know you're seeing another agent. Does he teach insurance? Is he a CLU? Does he do this? Does he do that? Everything else. So I taught insurance for 22 years at a local college, and I was named twice Outstanding Professor of the Year. I think you know what question I'm going to lead you up with that. How did that get you to be financially advising the New York Jets? Because I taught at the local college. Yeah. So since I was teaching financial planning at the local college, the head of the New York Jets came up to me and said, I'd like you to teach all the Jets basic financial planning course each of them are making a lot of money and mm. they don't know what to do with it and a lot of people spend it silly oh yeah or <laughs> lose it all mm -hmm. so uh, I lectured them on how to handle their money and I remember the first day I had the lecture and I had a classroom all set up and I'm ready to teach the class and I say we're not going to run it here. We're going to run it down in the basement where they have a machine because the center was hurt yesterday. He hurt his oh, knee, okay. and he's on a machine that stretches his leg, pumps his leg back, stretches his leg, yeah. pumps his leg back. So I got down there. And he's sitting on a bench with his leg going back and forth. <laughs> and I said, I'd like to introduce myself. Uh, my name is Irwin. And the first thing he says, he says, excuse me. He says, you're going to be lecturing us. He says, how much do you make? So I said to him, well, I've been making between five and 600000 a year for the last 10 years. Will you be employed tomorrow? If your knee doesn't come back, you will make a nickel for the rest of your life. Maybe you should listen to me. Damn, I love that. And he great. shut up and he listened to me. Do you happen to know that player's name? No. <laughs> so that's the way I handled that objection. And did you only like did you do that for years or was I it? I did just that one for year? five years and most of the time uh there were young men that first year they make $50,000. So the first thing they do is take 25000 and buy a house for their mother yeah. and mm -hmm. then go out and buy a car for $25,000. So they've used up all their money mm -hmm. in, in year one and they may not have a contract the next year. So I tried to get them to put aside money into safe investments. And I said, I'm not selling anything. I'll be happy to deal with your financial planner, but... I'm going to tell you safe investments. Yeah. That's all. So then, I mean, I don't know how much you're in sports now, but with the inflation of how much they get paid now, like, you know, a rookie gets 500000 baseline coming in. They need more of you guys in that industry because they're still spending ridiculously out there. Well, if, if you have too much money and you never had it before... You don't know what to do with it, so you do stupid things. Yep, you're That's not all. wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> you're like, I just want to have fun. No, it's like safe for the future, guys. <laughs> uh, Julio, anything? I'm going to just keep talking to you every once in a while. Uh, yeah, uh, nothing right now that I can think of. I'll okay. let you, because, yeah, I think you're 
still take lead on this. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, like, get, getting back to some of the stories, we started talking about Grandma. We didn't really... Did you want to finish that part up, or...? Uh, I was married 52 years, and... Well, no, you, it was English class. That's where we left off. We met in English class, and then we started dating, and by the time uh, I graduated, I became engaged, and I knew I'd be going into the military in three months, so we set a wedding for three months later. So on May 1st, uh, we had a wedding, and then a few days later, I went into the military, and then a month later, she graduated, and she joined me. Okay. So that we had three kids. Right now, my children are 64, 65, and 66. Don't tell mom's age. <laughs> I'm just saying. We had them, we had them uh, rather rapidly, uh, and all... There's lots of stories with the kids, but I'm going to leave that at you. will get each kid individually if yeah, you want to. Yeah, most likely. Yeah, I definitely want to have them. Uncle David on soon. Uh, however, uh, when uh, my wife reached about age 70, uh, she didn't feel well, and she was having trouble speaking. Hmm. So we went to Mayo Clinic, and they checked her throat, and they feared that we feel that we could clean out your nasal, we clean this out. And she said, no, I think it's something else. And they said, no, that, that's all it is. To make a very long story short, she was diagnosed with ALS. And ALS, you lose, con and she had what's called bulbar ALS. So it basically affects her throat. Yeah. So the first year you have trouble speaking then you have trouble swallowing, and then you can't eat, and then you can't breathe, mm. and then you die. Yeah. So uh, when she was diagnosed, they said, and we both went for that original diagnosis, they said, I've tested you, and I cannot find that you have ALS. But based on my experience, I know you have ALS, and you have three to five years to live, and you better make plans to do that. And my wife died in three years. So that's it. Um, sorry, I'm a little, I thank you for sharing that. I didn't know if we we're going to go down that route because it's still hard for both of us. So yeah, was, uh, ALS is. We all learned a lot, but the world learned a lot in the last twenty years about ALS. So hopefully, we're all aware, and hopefully, there's some cures in the there, future. Nothing has changed. There are roughly 30, somewhat thousand cases of ALS in the United States. They die and another 30,000 come in. But we've gotten better with cancer and AIDS, yes. HIV and, and stuff like that. The reason so. being that you have millions upon millions yeah. of people with heart problems, with cancer problems, but you only have 30,000 so out of hmm. 350 million people in the United States. So... They don't find the cure. There's not enough money in it. That's but I know all. there's some some test things out there right now. I, no cures right now. Some there's, stuff to help relieve symptoms and uh, stuff like there's that. There's a lot of things that go on, but no results. And that was supposed to be my meeting this morning oh, okay. that I was going to. She was going to brief me on what Johns Hopkins has been doing. Oh, okay. And 
for some reason we didn't get together. I called and left a message. I'll hear from her later. So that's it. Still, thank you for sharing that. I didn't know if we were actually going to go there again, but uh, I, I do appreciate that. That was a hard time, and I, she is very missed. I miss grandma a lot, because especially all those uh, English corrections on all my emails. <laughs> okay. I mean, it all makes you better. Like, it, I take everything as constructive criticism. If I'm not doing it well, you're teaching me something, I can learn to do better. So I never hated any of that. It was just like, did I need this all the time? No, but you know what? If I need to speak properly, especially when I write email, she, between you and her are the reason why I, my friends ask me to write emails for them sometimes. Okay. Like my roommate does not know how to know how to, know how to respond by email. So I have to actually, this is the first sentence, this is the second sentence. Do you want it to be sincerely or just say thanks and all that? So from you guys, like that's the reason why I know how to write and I'm actually really cordial and talking with bosses and managers and stuff like that. It's because, yeah, look, you guys corrected me a lot, but it was helpful. I, like I said, it took me a long if time to learn some of those lessons. If you speak slower, I can't you'll, have a, you'll have a better, <laughs> you'll have a better interview. You'll have a ten-minute gentle interview instead of a one-minute rushed interview. Oh, I mean that happens with me and Julio sometimes. Especially, we'll start talking about video games. Like that's our one of our main topics on here is video games. But we'll go fast through some of the things, and I'll look down and be like, "Oh, that was twelve minutes. I really thought that was twenty-five minutes." <laughs> um, so we talked hobbies, we talked some stories. Uh, anything recently, what you've been up to? Anything you'd like to share or talk about? Like, I know you said you had that appointment this morning. I, I know we talked about... Uh, I also run the Veterans Day program here oh, okay. and the Memorial Day programs. Oh, awesome. So I, and usually we have 150 to 180 people that attend. Okay. Of course, since this is a senior community, you have more veterans here. Oh. Okay. So we have over 140 veterans that live here. So we get good attendance, and I set up a program uh, which involves a Everybody coming in, yes. standing at attention, doing oh, a wow. Pledge of Allegiance. And then after the Pledge of Allegiance, uh, we may see, sing the Star Spangled Banner together. Okay. Or I'll have somebody on stage or in a film do the Star Spangled Banner. Oh, nice. And then I tell a little story. Then we read off the names uh, for Memorial Day of those people veterans who live here who during the past year have passed away oh, okay. we announce their names uh, we have a minute of silence and uh, then I have a trumpeter play taps Okay. and then I have one of the ladies who live here read an emotional story and then I sum everything up at the end we read all the names of every person who lives here who has been who has lost someone oh, in okay. the service gotcha. and it could be a father or brother or sister yeah. or your first husband or somebody else so we read all the names of those and we give them a little flower or a cross gotcha. to mm -hmm. wear and then i'll have an emotional song played at the end and it could be a 1939 version of Kate Smith 
singing God Bless America. 1939. That is almost 100 years old now. That's correct. <laughs> and, but they also, all, it's age appropriate. But they all remember Kate Smith. Right. Kate Smith right. was a very heavy lady who sang in the 30s and during World War II. And uh, there's an expression, wait till the fat lady sings. Yeah. That that, that's Kate where it comes from? Smith. Ah. Okay. Now you know. Okay. So I did not know that, yeah. No, neither did I. <laughs> but no, that's very, like, so is, it's more it's kind of reminiscent, nostalgic, all at the same and time. And then we do so. Veterans Day. Wait, is uh, there food and what? drink at this? Hmm? Like, is there, like, you mentioned, like, is there food and drink at this? Or do you get to eat anything? Or are they just, uh, is it more no, of like a service? Uh, it's, memor- well, afterwards there is a uh, Memorial Day buffet. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, uh, I, I'm not cooking the food anymore. Yeah. That was my father's business in the 1940s. So now I lecture on that. I also uh, lecture on Veterans Day. When it comes to the Passover services, I run a Seder here, and oh, wow. we have anywhere from 90 to 150 people, and I call on different people to read, and I lead the reading and the hymns and the singing, so they do that. I also teach a class here on how to get financial deductions for living in a place like this oh. because it's part health facility. So about 30% of what you pay here in fees go towards a medical expense. So if you spend... Now, is that this certain location or would that actually be no, applied that's any, to... Any kind of CCRC, Continuing Care Retirement Community, because we live here independently, yeah. but we also have assisted living, we have nursing yeah, care, yeah. we have memory care, and we have rehab. So, But if it's a CCRC throughout the U.S.? Any CCRC is going to have a deduction, deduction for health. Really? For medical benefits. Okay, I will make sure that's a note on this post and post that one. Because that's good information people need to know, especially as you get older and on a certain amount income like they need to know that information so i will definitely share that that's great information um and the thing i was taking away from that too actually is like you were saying how you stay physically active but you're also staying mentally active the entire time well if if i'm if i'm lecturing standing Mm -hmm. up in front of 200 people if i'm teaching a class if i'm giving advice if i'm answering questions people say uh, I just moved in this year. How much of a deduction will I? I say, well, I'll tell you how to take your deduction. And if your accountant needs to talk to me, I'll talk to him. Or if any of your children need to talk to me, I'll do that. So that's keeping my brain active also. Yeah, keeps the uh, In addition, the one other thing that <laughs> okay, I do, yeah. I read Western novels. You have like, fun with that. Like <laughs> Louis L'Amour. <laughs> like Louis L'Amour, or there are other books by other writers that are all Western. Okay. They're all shoot 'em up kind of things, mm. rustling cattle, et cetera, et cetera. I read two or three books a week. Hey, Grandpa, do you know what you just re- revealed to us? You're kind of geeky trait. This is kind of geeky. 
my podcast, where everything and anything is geeky. Anything you love can make you geeky. You love Westerns? That makes you geeky. It's very simple. I am the hero in every Western. I never die, and I always win the battle. So, so you're immortal is what you're saying. Okay. <laughs> what do you think I watch anime? <laughs> but no, like, that's your geeky aspect right there. So everyone's kind of geeky in a certain way. That's your geekiness. So uh, I could tell you 10 years ago, I never read as many books as I read now. That's awesome. So that's another thing. See, it always keep, comes out though, Julio. Always that keeps comes out. my mm-hmm. mind active. True. So. That's awesome. Like, I really like that. So, um... Do we want to roll back to any of the stories that we were touching on? Like, you've been listening the whole time, Julio. So anything else you want to know a little bit well, about? Well, uh, one other thing. Oh, okay. I've been writing short stories yeah. for the past five or six years. I belong to a writer's group. Hmm. So I'm writing my memoirs in short stories. Okay. And just a quickie short story. Yeah, give us the shortest one. That's what I was going to say. Like, That's what I'm yeah, going to okay, give okay. you. So we're okay. Just to I, lead up, we're leading into one of Erwin Gorman's short stories, written, produced, and starring. No, <laughs> I don't know if it's starring, but yeah, written and produced by him. I went to my dermatologist for my six-month checkup, and in Arizona, because the sun is so strong, you go for a six-month checkup, not a one-year or a two-year checkup. Mm-hmm. And if there's any pre-cancer cells, they take care of this. So my doctor completely examined me. And he's ready to leave. And I said, by the way, doctor, I have a question. If you look at my right thumb, the nail is rid- has ridges in it, and it's bent. All my other nails are straight and clear, but my right thumb has ridges in it. Do I have a fungus, or is there something that I'm not eating enough vitamins or something? And the doctor looks at me, and he says, one second, Erwin, and he looks at his watch, and we start talking. And he asks me a question. He's asking me about the weather, uh-huh. this, that. He's just talking about anything, and then he looks at his watch again. I, I said, you keep looking at your watch. Do you have an appointment? And he says, no, I just want to talk to you about thing." And he starts asking me questions. I answer the question back and forth. He, and then he looks at his watch. He says, Erwin, I just want to let you know it's three minutes since we started talking. In those three minutes, you've put your thumb in your mouth 11 times. <laughs> You're 85 years old. Don't you think it's time you stop sucking your thumb? So that's one of my short stories. Do you like that one, Keith? It's interesting. No, <laughs> and see as soon as you started saying that it made me look at my thumb because when I was a kid I closed it in the door so I had a rigid mark it's only the past like five years that it actually smoothed out so I was like wait do I? no I'm good so like, it made me think of my own thing as you're telling your story it comes down to the saliva from your mouth causes the rigid it yep. eats away mm-hmm. the nail so that's it well for a random story on my side of things is you know as a kid I liked sucking my thumb I didn't stop M- mom and dad put hot pepper spices oh, I... went as spicy as possible 
you know what? I love spice to this day because I sucked every bit off my thumb. <laughs> I, I only gave up sucking my thumb when I wanted to give up sucking my thumb, which is kind of weird. But uh, anyways, um, we're over an hour. Thank you for coming on to the podcast. We have, we're not done yet because me and Hulu still need to talk about a couple things. And if you want to and then join in. We have to talk about dinner. <laughs> yes, yes, okay, yes, yes. So, but, um, so it ha- like I said, it has been a, a month since our last podcast. We've yeah. gone to a movie, if not two. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. And then a couple animes and games have come out as well because you're playing a new game right now. Oh, so yeah. for movies, I think the biggest one is Guardians of the Galaxy Guardians 3. Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. Which uh, I loved it. It was, it was good. dark. It, it, yes, it was. Uh, much more darker compared to the other two. Um, good, but not as good as the, the, those two. I would two. say Guardians 1 was my favorite. Uh-huh. Guardians 3 is my second favorite. Guardians 2 is my third favorite because just Ego didn't have as much luster for me as this movie. The soundtrack was definitely better in two. The soundtrack was lacking in three, but the yeah. movie was good. There's actually a good storyline there. It focuses around this group of people not setting up any future movie or anything like that. And we get the true history or their true history of Rocket. Well, yeah, we now get an actual origin story of Rocket. Um, the villain was good. Yeah, someone you really wanted to hate. And yeah. he did a good job of making you feel that way. Which they've let, like they've fallen flat on that a couple times recently, where like you're supposed to hate the villain, and they're like, "We're gonna make you feel for the villain," and it's like, "No, a villain's a villain for a reason." I don't care about his backstory. I don't care what made him this. He's now a villain, and he kills thousands of people. So mm-hmm. why would I feel any kind of pity for him? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, he's one of these villains where you yeah you don't have any no never had any pity. Well, because he created races just to destroy them, basically. Yeah, all, the, trying <laughs> all to for cheat. perfection. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Just because he didn't like himself. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I think it's fine. Right. Yeah. Um, the other one, I think. No, we talked about Super Mario Brothers, right? Yeah, we did. But that's coming out on Blu-ray release. Oh, uh, the thing I wanted to mention on Super Mario Brothers. Did you see someone actually stream the whole movie on Twitter the other day? Really? You can put hour-long videos on, so they put the first hour on and then a 30-minute video. So illegally on Twitter for Jeez. the entire weekend for everybody to watch. And I'm like, yeah, that's great, guys. Uh, Good job pirating. But that also shows, like, since Elon Musk has taken over Twitter, you're dropping the ball there because a brand new movie was on your platform for an entire weekend and nobody thought to take it down? Bad. That's terrible. Like, even Stuck would do a little something there. No, if anything, because Nintendo... Oh, yeah. They would have... Yeah. They'll probably sue. Like, <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't caught it uh, quick enough. Yeah. You know, there's going to be trouble there with with them, for sure. Oh, they commented Sunday, by Monday it was down. Oh, so, really? Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. Well, I don't think that's over. No, they're gonna, no. There's something. There's something and then, yeah, there. since we are over now, we'll cut out anime this week, but uh, new games. That's our main topic for Carnegie. Yeah. So, um, you are playing something new, right? Yeah, I thought For so. me, it's a Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Yeah, get into that, please. It looks good. Uh-huh. It's buggy still on some sections. The map is still confusing. It's hard to navigate through it. So, is it a continuation of the first game? Uh, it's years after the first game. So, many years after? I think, yeah. Okay. Many years after. Still same map mechanics, which irritated me from completing the first game. Oh, yeah. No, so, yeah, uh, okay. I mean, I actually had to use a walkthrough for a section because I was lost. I wasn't sure how to uh, navigate through it. And it was it was, was a simple solution. <laughs> Luckily, okay. it was good. But, yeah... It, it the, I'm I still gotta finish the game, I don't want to, but I'm gonna power but through and finish. But it's playable to finish. 
Unlike, you know, it, Avengers and a couple other well, games. Well, there was one instance where I had to restart and I lost about 15 minutes of so gameplay. So roll back a save or restart a mission? Uh, luckily, it was like a cutscene, so I didn't oh, okay, miss out okay, much. Okay, okay, So, but the thing is, I can't re- I, I can't recommend this game to anyone. No? no. Wow. Wow. No. Really? A new Star Wars game, you can't even recommend it. I like it, but I don't, I, I, I don't, I can't give it, I can't tell anyone to play it. Damn. Unless you're very into the Souls-like game. Okay. This is like a souls light type of game. If you if if, if you talk Dark Souls, Dark Souls, Dark Souls, okay. So if that's your thing, it's buggy. So keep that aware. I don't know if they have any patches, another patch yet. So then, are you rolling back to Hogwarts? Then is that what you're going to play for now? Oh no, I'm I'm gonna continue Jedi Survivor. <laughs> There's a bit of stubbornness where, you know, I'm going in. Uh, and you pay for it, so you got to get your yeah, ending. But yeah, no, I'm getting my ending. <laughs> Um, other than that, like I said, um, Comic-Con Revolution's coming in a couple weeks. We're going to try and set up registration to get into that, and then I'm going to try and set up an interview. Because ha- other than family interviews and friend interviews, it's been a while since I've had an artist, engineer, or cosplayer on. So it's about time to have one of those people on again. Right. I'd like to get another engineer. Like that, The perspective there is really good. Uh, that's why Lawrence needs to come on sometime. Without him <laughs> <Yeah>. trolling. <laughs> uh, there's no guarantee that I won't. Yeah, happen. you're not wrong. Uh, well, I, no, if I have you there, he will troll. <laughs> yeah, I would encourage him. Um, I would say, yeah, so convention coming up. More game. I mean, there's Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse soon. A couple other movies coming out. So we got a couple things down the pipeline. Other series that finished up, like Mandalorian, we kind of covered last time too. So I don't think we need to get too much into that. And then I'll talk a lot of anime next time because... We're about to get into the new season, summer season of anime, with a bunch of returning stuff like Reincarnated Slime. Mm-hmm. I think. Sorry, that, that's not till 2024. My bad. Oh, but okay. uh, a couple other things like Attack on Titan. That's. It. But uh, no, I hope you all enjoyed the episode. Again, Grandpa, thank you for taking your time out and allowing us to come over to interview you. My pleasure. I enjoyed it, and I hope it was meaningful to all those have the opportunity to hear it. Well, how engaged Julio was, he used to be an audience member, so you know, like, <laughs> he liked it. So I'm I still am. Right? Yeah, no, yeah. Well, you're part of the podcast yeah. now, too. Uh, any final thoughts or last comments you'd like to leave with the audience? It's dinner time. Okay. Uh, any final <laughs> thoughts for you, Julio? Oh, I'm good. I'm ready. Okay, uh, one last name. Sorry. Uh, I, as I always say, thank you again, Julio. Thank you again, Grandpa. And I hope you all enjoyed the episode. And always remember to stay... Kind of geeky. Okay. Okay.